It's never convenient when plans change, is it? But plans change when you get to talk to a Hall of Famer. You'll hear from that Hall of Famer on today's Locked on ACC. Let's go. Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. Yes, that's right. It is Locked on ACC. It is Thursday, May 28th, 2020. I'm Brian Wilmer. I'm your host. I'm from FP Schedules and College Hoops Digest. Special program today. We'll explain why in just a second. First, let me remind you, Locked on ACC is brought to you by Built Bar. Visit BuiltBar.com, enter the promo code LOCKEDON, get $10 off your first purchase, and there's a special going on this week, too. We'll tell you more about that later on in the program. Today, we kind of break from what I had mentioned earlier in the week because I wanted to share with you an interview that I did with Basketball Hall of Famer Artist Gilmore. I actually did this for a feature on Digest, but haven't actually shared the audio portion. Gilmore played at Jacksonville on a national finalist that beat two future ACC teams that year, Florida State and Miami, bringing it back to the ACC, of course. But Gilmore's story is incredibly compelling. For those of you who didn't see Artist Gilmore play, he was a seven foot two, 240-pound center, again, a Hall of Famer. You'll hear a lot of conversation in the interview about Gardner-Webb University. It was then Gardner-Webb College, a junior college, where Artist Gilmore started his career, played two years there, two very successful years, played with future pro as well, George Adams, then went on to Jacksonville after his tenure at Gardner-Webb. And as I mentioned, played for a national title. In two years at Jacksonville, now keep in mind when you hear this, all these numbers were still kind of new at the time. We didn't have all the numbers that we have now, but Gilmore played 54 games at Jacksonville, averaged 24.3 points a game, 22.7 rebounds a game. His second year at Jacksonville, the 1970-71 season, averaged 21.9 points a game, 23.2 rebounds a game, and 10.3 blocks a game. The guy averaged a damn triple-double at Jacksonville. By the way, it is pouring rain outside of the palatial South Carolina studios of Locked on ACC because we need more of that. Gilmore then went on to professional basketball, played in both the ABA and the NBA, 1,329 professional games, averaged 18.8 points a game, 12.3 rebounds a game. ABA champion in 1975, he was an 11-time All-Star, 5-time All-ABA, 5-time All-Defensive Player, Rookie of the Year, and MVP in the ABA. Played alongside and against many of the greats in the game. And you'll hear a lot of that conversation both in my talk with him and in his Hall of Fame speech, which we'll feature later on the program. There's also a reason we're doing this today. Today's my dad's birthday. Artist was and is one of my dad's dudes. Everybody has dudes, people that you love in sport. The A-Train was and is one of my dad's dudes. And when I told him I'd be speaking with Artist Gilmore, he couldn't get over how cool that was. I still can't get over how cool it was. So that's why we're running this today. Dad, happy birthday. The first part of the conversation with Artist Gilmore we kind of lay out what Gardner-Webb made him, where he came from, just in those two years in Boiling Springs, North Carolina, which most of you listening to this program have probably never heard of, how those two years shaped him, 
how he went from very humble beginnings to being on the floor opposite John Wooden and the man he would eventually become. Here's part one of my conversation with Basketball Hall of Famer, Artis Gilmore. Richard's talked talk to you quite a bit, and you were mentioning your conversation earlier about this place and this team and, and how you got here. When you look back now at where you are, how can you say Gardner-Webb made you as far as a man, a, a professional, those sorts of things? <laughs> I, I was thinking of something funny to say, really. <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> no, uh, I'm thinking about my experience, and I, and and it, it's the truth is, yes, I was able to, when I uh, arrived here with uh, Gardner-Webb, uh, I had mentioned, I think, maybe that that was the first time in my, my culture, my whole life, that uh, in a mixed environment. And and most uh, uh, young black athletes who are not necessarily athletes, but students who in the, attended uh, white institution, there's always, there was always uh, some challenges, really difficult times. But uh, none of those things happened. Um, I think the faculty here realized that that there was a, a deficit as far as academics, and I had to catch up. was uh, was an incredible challenge for me playing catch up, and and uh, and th- that was part of that that transition period. These, uh, the staff and everybody was able willing to work with us, and <clears throat> considering, you know, probably. Uh, <clears throat> Faculty, staff, everybody have not had that many opportunities to, during that time to have uh, work with uh, uh, black athletes, uh, black students, period. So, yeah, tremendous uh, period of time. And You've mentioned your upbringing, your, your kind of you know, humble beginnings and then getting here and then you look four years later and you're on the floor and you look across the floor and there's John Wooden coaching against you. Playing, playing for a national type, what, what was that like to, to go from where you were to go to that so quickly? Yeah, uh, uh, as I said before, uh, the Garden Web set the stage for me. I mean, it was, uh, uh, and I, I don't know why I'm, I do know why. I just continue to emphasize the culture, the barriers, and the things that I experienced. And so, when I uh, uh, departed from here and went to Jacksonville. It was not that much different in, in the community other than on campus. Like here on campus, this was, and I, I don't like using the term safe haven, but it was an environment where we were comfortable and, and we were treated with ultimate respect here on campus. And, and the same uh, with uh, uh, Coach Eddie Holbrook was a, a young, developing uh, star as a head coach. and. Uh, that Joe Williams was an experienced individual, and it, he was uh, his relationship and I de- developed really good, and and uh, he put me in a, 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 a in a situation where I was really starting to grow and become more comfortable, and uh, with that I was able to um, a transformation came in my my ability to absorb the the, the game and basketball and. And move forward and, and allow us to be able to compete for a, a few years later against uh, Joe Williams, I mean, uh, uh, Coach Wooten in, in a national championship. Richard mentioned the kind of de-emphasizing, I guess would be the, the way to say it, of the five position in basketball. You, of course, had a pretty good one alongside you and Pembroke Burroughs. What's your best story about Burroughs? 
My best story about Pembroke Burles, okay. Uh, uh, Pembroke, my best story probably is that I had fouled out of the game uh, in, in the uh, regionals and uh, against, uh, in the NC2A tournament. And, and I said to, you know, the coach called timeout, a few seconds left on the clock. I said, man, listen, big guy, you got to get it going. You got, you, know, you got it really going. I said, I guess so. You're going to say you sitting on the bench. <laughs> but Pembroke was able to put back a, a shot. Three seconds left on the clock, and we were able to uh, move past Iowa, who was probably one of the best teams in the NC2A tournament, and allowed us to move to the next round. When you think of his time there, and of course your time there too, he's, he's a Hall of Famer at Jacksonville, and of course has been a pretty strong contributor to that community. You're still very much involved with that community. Uh, I've seen you doing TV and radio and, and such for ESPN3. Yes. That is an interesting university. It has a very... Uh, lived-in gym, I guess is a good way to say it, uh, when, when you think of that facility. And, and you've seen kind of the evolution in this place in 50 years. What's been the evolution in Jacksonville in, in that time? Well, a tremendous amount of evolution. I, I, the newest president, uh, President Koss, is like in, going into his seventh year as, a, uh, as the president. And he's made just uh, uh, incredible uh, changes as far as the growth and, and, uh, and, and the thought process. But you mentioned the one thing about uh, our facilities of play. And, you know, being a private institution like this when, uh, here at Gardner-Webb, and it makes it very challenging to be able to raise funds that's necessary to be able to move forward. And, and in sports, basketball really would make a significant impact if you ever have something in place to allow the recruits to be able to come, make a decision to come to Jacksonville and help uh, uh, develop and create a competitive basketball team, then that allows you to be able to generate incomes in that particular sport. And that's one area that I, I think we need to focus on. And, and that's part of the growth that's uh, absolutely a necessity for Jacksonville University. You mentioned being kind of a utility player at Jacksonville, doing pretty much whatever the university needed in terms of trying to help them and in, in, you know, growing their, their uh, facilities, growing their financial uh, background, that sort of thing. When you're When you look at being in a position to be able to give back to a university like that, you've given back here, but when you look at being able to give back to Jacksonville, is that something that kind of gets lost on athletes once they leave a place, the ability to return there and give back to that institution that gave so much to them? Well, uh, maybe one time, but no, absolutely not. I, I think uh, institutions recognize that and, and, and they in recognize the individual people, uh, individuals that makes that kind of a contribution to the program. And uh, Jacksonville and Garden Web has done likewise. Uh, being able to acknowledge these uh, individual, these people that has made such an impact on the program. You mentioned, you know, George, and in, in talking to Richard, and you, you look at, you know, the only two guys really from from Gardner Web that have gone on to, to become pros that were in the same lineup, and, and you think of those teams that you had then. What was the best part about this university it was kind of a best kept secret at that point because it was still you know junior college. What was the best part of your time here? Well, I mean, they, they were on the verge of that. We could have been in. I rather I could have been a part of the first graduating class. But uh, uh, the the best key, kept secret was the, the fact is that uh, uh, they had the ability to go out and, and recruit individuals from really very very good talent and maintain a competitive uh, level. Uh, throughout the years, and, and 
if you want to call it a secret, but certainly it has been one area, and, and of course it supports the uh, the, the uh, booster club and the things they have done to support the, the entire program. You talked about the spiritual component in the university as well, and how it kind of helped you in, in terms of developing your own spiritual connection. How did that help come about? Oh well, uh, uh, ministry was here. I, I remember every. Uh, Sunday opportunities since I don't know if the chapel is still on campus or not but uh, we would, every Sunday I would uh, have an opportunity to go in and, and listen and to uh, and, and during that time Dr. Poston who was uh, a minister as well and he uh, he was very settled in, in assisting and helping us all to, to move forward and develop for his growth. Part one there of my conversation with basketball Hall of Famer artist Gilmore such a, a kind man, so giving of his time himself, just an outstanding man. You'll hear more from him coming up here on Locked on ACC in just a minute. First, I wanted to tell you again about Built Bar. We talked on Wednesday's program about Built Bar, and we mentioned we've been talking about it all month, and you may have been hearing me talk about it and hearing customers talk about it and thinking, well, this all sounds good. I just don't know if I'm ready to make that move yet. I don't know if I necessarily want to order Built Bar. Now, you have even more of a reason to do it. Along with our promo code, this week only, you can get $5 off of every box of bars you order, whether you make your own, whether you buy one of theirs they've already put together. You can get mixed flavors. You can get all the same flavor. You can create your own. It's all available for you at BuiltBar.com. They have four new flavors as well. Peanut butter banana, pineapple upside down cake, coconut pecan pie, and blueberry lemon. If you want to try one of those, all of those, make your own, whatever you want to do. Again, it's builtbar.com. At checkout, enter promo code locked on. You get $10 off your first box, and you also get that $5 off. Again, builtbar.com, promo code locked on. More now in our conversation with artist Gilmore here on Locked On ACC. Again, it is May 28th, 2020. You heard from artist Gilmore about his upbringing, about his time at Gardner-Webb, about looking across the floor and seeing John Wooden. We also talked to him about his time as a pro, about some of the guys with whom he's played, some of the people with whom he shared a floor. Artist Gilmore had so many stories. We could have run stories from him all day long, but he tells some very interesting and very compelling stories in this next part of our conversation. Again, here's Basketball Hall of Famer, Artis Gilmore. You mentioned Dan Issel as one of your former teammates, and you started your professional career playing alongside Dan Issel and closed it playing alongside Larry Bird. When, when you think of you know that, that span of years, going from Dan Issel to Larry Bird, the game obviously changed, and, and you changed along with it. But what did you see in terms of just going from where you started to where you finished as, as far as how the ABA uh, kind of began or, or finished and then how the NBA was when you left it? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'm preface this by a story I'm going to share with you. Ernie Fleming, who was one of my teammates here at um, uh, uh, Gardner Well, and Ernie was from Fall River, Massachusetts, and Ernie, uh, er, Ernie every opportunity we had, Return to he would return to his home, and I knew there was not very much to go travel to my home for him. So Ernie invited me once to go come home with him around the Christmas holiday. So I went to uh, uh, 
Uh, we ended up going to Fall River, and Fall River was about 40. Uh, it was a good, nice little ride from for, uh, from Fall River to straight to Boston. So Ernie said, uh, you know, there's a basketball game tonight. Um, it's the Celtics and uh, Cincinnati Royals with Oscar Robinson. He said, would you like to go to the basketball game? And I said, Wow. Man, to see those are oh, absolute first time. So I, I was elated. I was so excited about this opportunity. So, you know, and I, we we went to had a chance to go to the game and watch Oscar Robinson and Bill Russell play, and really exciting. But uh, I said that share that story with you to share it. Uh, the, the the last place I ended up finishing my career was on the Boston Garden floor with Larry Bird and all, that group of guys. So uh, all of that, that transition period, go total cycle, come back, and I, I finished my, uh, 17 years of professional basketball with the uh, Boston Celtics. And then uh, for cultural and, and, and experience, and then taking my family, we went to Italy. And I played there for one year, and, and my kids said, Dad, you're going to continue to play and play some more? And I asked my body, I said, body, can you handle a couple more years? <laughs> and my body said, well, heck no, you on your own now. <laughs> no, but I, it was time for me to move on, change, move, change the pace and move forward. And, and I watched my kids grow up and develop and turn into very special people. What's been the, the best change that you've seen take place in the game from when you, you know, first started as a collegiate to now? What's been the worst change you've seen? In, on the collegiate level? At the collegiate level and the pro level. Well, in the collegiate level, the NC two has NC two A has stepped forward, and they have made some incredible rules and changes. Like, uh, but you know, fortunately, I didn't, we didn't experience that at, at Jacksonville University. But you know, some coaches would take advantage of it, and, and I don't remember that. Uh, was that uh, when the October the fifteenth? And they always had this midnight man that somebody started. They said, "Well, at least that you." Now we're going to start, get a head start. 12 o'clock, guys out here, we're working. Not that it made a significant impact on whether you're going to play better that year, but it was just that, just the, the system uh, and, and that was in place, and uh, coaches made an attempt to take advantage of that. Uh, the NCAA had really has done a great job, a good job, uh, of uh, monitoring and certain things. Kids cannot play but so many uh, you know, hours a week and, and it allowed uh, the, the, the uh, uh, student athletes to uh, prepare themselves academically and, and execute uh, the other phase of their life other than just athletics. Uh, that would be probably some of the major differences that I observe at the collegiate level and at the professional level, you know, it's just Forty. I mean, it really has changed there. I mean, uh, we're talking about the different uh, uh, position of the uh, the center now. You know, guys played, uh, but you know, it, it, you talk about the guy big forwards and played the center. Willis Reed. I remember he uh, uh, he played on the perimeter, left-handed jump shot from around the top of the key. Forrest Wilt Chamberlain to come out and defend. Uh, Bill Russell, the pick and roll. Uh, Bill Russell was number six. So they, the number six play, come out and pick and, and roll. But Bill Russell never really took that many shots in the perimeter. Uh, but we watch over the years have that, that extended. 
and the young players like St- uh, Stephon Curry. Um, Stephon Curry, he could take 20 shots, he, and he missed all 20 of them. And, and the coach says, okay, go. You know, take 20 more, no problem. When we play, you take five shots, and you miss two of them. You're looking for that hook. You're looking over your shoulder to see whether or not the coach is getting ready to you yank, you pull you out, and you sit next to him. So it was mentally it uh, made a, uh, an impact on your thought process. What's your fondest memory of your professional career? No, one of the, I mean, I had some great times, uh, but it is, it's always a rememberable experience when you win a championship. In 1975, in the ABA, uh, we beat the uh, Indiana Pacers for a championship. So um, that was one of the most extraordinary times, uh, plus the, the birth of my kids. <laughs> Finally, what's your fondest memory here? Fondest memory here is, I guess, a chance to come back and celebrate. Uh when looking back and reflecting on those earlier memories, uh, it was a, a, a great time for me to be on campus. But it was a, a, truly an, an educational process in, in many, many ways. I, I learned so much. And, and uh, you know, I cannot emphasize the patience of the, uh, uh, the faculty, understanding, being able to uh, relate to what young uh, black athletes then it was the colored athletes, what uh, uh, what they were experiencing, and being able to uh, identify and, and, and underst- have an understanding. Legendary player, legendary man. There's my conversation with basketball Hall of Famer artist Gilmore from last year's Gardner-Webb basketball hoops coming, as they refer to it. He was there to be honored at the university, then college, at which he once played. Now that we've shared that conversation with you, coming up next, I want to share with you Artist Gilmore's induction speech for the Basketball Hall of Fame. really tells a lot about who he is, where he comes from, and really what he's seen in life. Just an incredibly compelling man, and he'll tell you even more about his own story. Artist Gilmore's Hall of Fame induction speech next, right here on Locked on ACC. May 28th, 2020, again, happy birthday to my dad. Who's a big Artist Gilmore guy. Now, Artist Gilmore's Hall of Fame induction speech right here on Locked On ACC. Thank you. Hall of Famers, fellow inductees, friends and fans. My name is Artist Gilmore and I am a member of the Basketball Hall of Fame. You know, growing up in my hometown as a youngster in Chipley, Florida, playing with tied up balls that didn't bounce and shoes and clothes that did not fit, I idolized players like Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, Jerry West, and Oscar Robinson. I never dreamt that one day my name would join theirs as a member of the Basketball Hall of Fame. Before I go on, I want to answer three questions once and for all, hopefully. Yes, the weather up here is fine. (laughs) Yes, I am a basketball player. And number three, my trip to this stage was a long one. Yet today, it is not about the journey. 
It's about the destination. Millions of people have laced up their sneakers since Dr. Naismith invented the game several miles from here in 1891. Every one of them would love to be in my shoes today. None of them, however, would appreciate it more than I do. You know, Yogi Bear once said, I would like to thank all the people who made today necessary. Well, I would like to especially thank Jerry Colangelo for helping to make this a reality for me. Thank you. While I played 12 highly distinguished seasons in the NBA, I also want to recognize the ABA, many of whose members I joined in the hall today. In 1975, our Kentucky Colonels, coached by Hubie Brown, was the best team in professional basketball. At least I think so. You know, the ABA introduced the three-point line in the slam dunk contest. In fact, we were showtime before there was showtime. <laughs> Everyone who ever played in the ABA treasure that experience. And I never played the game to win awards, but yet I was fortunate to win many at every level of the game. For that success, I owe a great debt to every coach, trainer, teammate I shared a basketball with over the years. At every stop, from Rolike High School, Carver High School, to Gardner Webb, Jacksonville University, the Colonels, the Bulls, the Spurs, the Celtics, and finally, Arimo of Bologna. My Lord Jesus Christ and Savior has honored me with special memories and remarkable friends and fans. I am so thankful for all of his blessings. Now with me virtually every step of the way for almost 40 years, is now my wife, Enola Gay. Thank you. When others may have doubted, she never did. When I was on the road as much as I was at home, she raised our family of three wonderful girls and two really great sons with unwavering dedication. She is every bit the Hall of Famer I am. Another Hall of Famer was my mother, Maddie. While she and my father would love to have been here in person, I have no doubt that they are looking down over these festivities with a huge smile on their faces. I want to avoid starting to thank too many people because the list is lengthy. I would, however, like to thank my doctors, Dr. J for in the induction. <laughs> Dr. Francis B. Kenny, Chancellor Emeritus 
of Jacksonville University for being my second mom to me. And Dr. Bill Gay from Jacksonville for being my friend and benefactor. Dr. Kerry Rumsberg, president of Jacksonville University, is here today, along with Jacksonville new mayor, Alvin Brown. I would like to thank them and all my friends from JU, the Bulls, the Spurs, the Celtics, the Colonels, the Webb, and others from across the country who traveled here, who traveled here to share this day with our family, Enola and me. Now, people have asked me if I have any regrets about my career. You know, I must admit I do have one. I wish Michael Jordan had played before me because if he had, in all my pictures, I wouldn't be wearing those short shorts we wore back in the day. <laughs> And in closing, I would like to congratulate Chris Mullins, Tira Vanderveer, Dennis Rodman, Teresa Edwards, Avita Sabonis, Herb McGee, Tex Winner, Tom Sanders, and Reese Tatum on your well-earned election into the Hall of Fame. And to let you know, how proud I am to be sharing this day with each of you. Imagine now, now imagine, A-Train, the worm, Satch and Goose are joining the Stilt, the Hick from French Lick, Zeke from Cabin Creek, Ice, the doctor, the pistol, magic, and his airiness in one of the most exclusive clubs in the world. Man, what a great game. What a great country. Thank all of you very, very much. The remarks there from artist Gilmore on his induction into the Basketball Hall of Fame in 2011. Again, a legendary man, a legendary career so funny, so kind, and glad we got to share that with you today. Back to what we'd planned for today on Monday here on Locked on ACC. We'll get into a look at some of the basketball transfers coming into ACC programs. We told you on Wednesday about those leaving ACC programs. We'll give you a look at who's joining on Monday's program. In the interim, you can tweet us. We are at Locked on ACC. You can email us lockedonacc at gmail.com. You can tweet me individually. I am at Sports Matters. I would love to hear from you. Again, if you find value in what you're hearing, please like, share, rate, follow, subscribe, get the word out to your social media network. We would love the additional boost from all of you. Also, while you're doing all that, tell your smart speaker to play the latest episode of Locked On NFL Draft. Hear the breakdown of your team's draftees and make plans to join us back here on Monday. Have a great weekend, everyone. Have a safe one. See you back here again Monday. I'm Brian Wilmer. This has been Locked on ACC.